0: Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Club, where we're keeping it surreal and talking about all things odd, mysterious, and paranormal. This is show 013. Tonight is just me, and I'm rehashing one of my great adventures from way back in the day. I'm going to talk about ghosts, legends, ancient Aztec treasure, and all kinds of other weirdness. I've changed some names and locations to protect the innocent and the guilty, but the story is real. It's candid and may have some adult language, so be advised. And now, on to the show. For those of you who know me, you know that I am an artist specializing in special effects. Since about 1998, I've been a special effects hair and makeup artist for film theater and all kinds of other live events I've done lots of films movies commercials music videos many of them being horror films and monster movies which happen to be my fave I also worked in theater which includes Broadway shows ballet I love the Kansas City Ballet worked for them for the years and really enjoy those people opera as well as television and plenty of live events. Before then, when I was raising my family and in my 20s, I was a professional psychic, although I strongly dislike that word. I prefer intuitive because it's far more descriptive of what I do. At the time, in my 20s, I worked with the Kansas City Psychical Research Society, where we did lots of paranormal research and community outreach and community education, that type of thing. We did the psychic fair a couple of times a year. We studied stones of different varieties like crystals and hematite and lapis and granite and that kind of thing. Uh, We studied their uh varieties and their applications in things like healing um, energy manipulation and protection we even did lots of haunted house investigations and paranormal investigations before it was cool i remember the days when we used cassette tapes to record evps yeah give that a thought so that's the backstory. And all of this leads me to our tale for tonight. In the late summer of 1990, I got a phone call from a man. We'll call him James. James got my name and number from the Kansas City PRS and was looking for a psychic who could help him locate a treasure in South Missouri. My family comes from South Missouri and I was pretty familiar with the area so that really piqued my interest. He told me it was an Aztec, Incan, or Mayan treasure or some combination of the three that some other guys had already been looking for and they had reportedly found little bits and pieces. Now the legend behind this is that the conquistadors Uh, went down and they slaughtered a lot of people um, and stole their priceless gems, jewels, and gold. They went down there in search of gold and they found these peoples. They clashed in a religious sense and let's be honest about it, they were very greedy and they stole their money. They stole their gold, they stole their lives, they stole their culture. Uh, You can see it even still today. I don't know how true it is, but this is the story as it was told to me. These guys in South Missouri found a petroglyph that indicated a Spanish treasure was buried somewhere close to it. When they found a few gold ingots that they would melt down and take to Vegas, and then they traded for the gold value. They'd been doing this for the past decade before I heard about it, so they must have found a few. I wasn't involved with that group, so I have no reference as to how much truth is in that. But I took James at his word, and I agreed to help if I could. My instant gut reaction was that if this was true, these men were pretty shady, and what they were doing with priceless pieces of history was nothing short of diabolical and certainly illegal. One of these guys, there were three of them, was an old-timey psychic from the Kansas City PRS, whom we'll call Raymond. Raymond spent over 10 years working with a man we'll call Stan, who was the landowner where all of this was found, and another guy we'll refer to as Gilbert, who was the financier and money man. They were trying to find the bulk of this treasure, but all they ever found were a few gold ingots and some petroglyphs. Now, if you don't know what a petroglyph is, it is a carving in stone. It was enough for them to continue searching and investing, but James believed the whole of the treasure might be somewhere else. Somewhere they hadn't thought to look, or maybe didn't have access to. Raymond the Psychic died of natural causes in 1990, which was shortly before I got involved. But the other two men continued their search after his death. And for all I know, they're still searching. Raymond shared his secret with James before he passed. And James wanted my help as a fresh perspective on the project. James was in no way involved with Stan or Gilbert. He wanted to start his own search and recovery team. And he wanted me to be a part of that. I sat down and I did some meditation on the project and I saw the word lamb and a cave. The cave had a huge tree over the entrance with roots wrapping all around the mouth. I didn't see an animal relating to the word lamb, just the word. To be honest, it kind of confused me, but I wrote it all down and I let James know what I saw. James then took a trip down to the area, hooked up with a real estate agent, and purchased a land plat map. On that map, right next to Stan's property, where they've been finding all this petroglyph stuff and all this ingot stuff purportedly, was a property owned by a man named Lamb. Well, that explained a lot. Imagine my surprise. As it turned out, Mr. Lamb was a local business owner in that area and was pretty easy to hunt down. He agreed to meet with me and James, so we took a road trip to southern Missouri in August of 1991. When we arrived down there, Mr. Lamb was pretty uneasy with me. He said his wife wasn't on board with all of this, and since it was her land that she had inherited, he had to abide by her decision. Now, you have to understand that this place is right in the middle of the Bible Belt, USA. And a lot of people down there think that what I do is the devil's folly. I have a lot of family down there, so I get it. I've struggled with this my whole life. We talked for a while, and Mr. Lamb finally said, If you can tell me something about myself you have no way of knowing, I'll consider signing a contract with you for this project. Ugh. Okay, I know I rolled my eyes, But that's when the back of his hand caught my attention. There were some scars on the back of his knuckles that stood out like they were almost lit up. It was suddenly very clear to me what happened to create those scars and I told him what I saw. To this day, I don't recall the name of the farming equipment, but he did tell me what it's called. I told him I saw him as a teenager working in a field with a big tractor. On the front of the tractor was a long cylindrical piece that had rows and rows of sharp triangular teeth on it. His hand got caught on that piece of machinery, and that's how he got the scars. You could have knocked that guy over with a feather. He packed us up in his truck, and he took us to see the property, as well as the famous petroglyph that started all of this. The main petroglyph was insane. It was on a flat gray stone that was fairly flush and even with the ground. Carved into the top of the stone was a very strange symbol, somewhat resembling a crude horseshoe or a U-shape with crosses all through and around it. The carving was obviously weathered, but cut deep into the rock, and it was still very visible. There were a lot of spirits around it, and the energy was super high, but not really creepy at all. Right after this trip, I had quite a visitation one night at home. I was suddenly awakened in the middle of the night by a whole group of entities crowding around my bed. It was so freaky. The leader of this group wasn't human, although he was humanoid. He had a face like a fly, kind of reminded me of Jeff Goldblum in the movie, with the big fly-like eyes. He got right in my face and asked me what my purpose was in wanting to uncover the treasure. I told him I believed it belonged in museums and needed to go back to its rightful owners, and that's what I intended to do with it. He told me he was a guardian of this treasure, and it was up to me to warn everyone else involved with our project to enter into it with the same intent I had, or someone could get hurt. I know this all sounds crazy, but I assured him I would pass the message on, and I did. We spent a lot of time talking about this, researching this. You know, this was before the internet, so we didn't have access to that type of research. Uh, We spent a lot of time in libraries and talking to people and uh, phone calls and going back and forth between Kansas City and Southern Missouri. I was only invited to camp down there once. But, that one time, we hiked and found another couple of petroglyphs, one of which was a classic Spaniard symbol indicating gold. I would have liked to have spent more time down there, but James suddenly got weird with me and started involving a lot of other people. I warned him, but he was like a crackhead and just wouldn't listen. He started consulting all these psychics who told him he needed a shaman to cleanse the evil spirits away from the cave where the treasure was hidden. It was incredibly frustrating, and it really pissed me off for a number of reasons. For one, and I told him this, he needed to stop telling people about it. Every time he told someone else he was compromising our safety, not to mention that he was placing them under contract for a piece of the pie too. A piece of pie that didn't even belong to him. But he insisted he wanted to learn more about shamans and really that was okie dokie with me. So I turned him on to the Kansas City Indian Club. He must have broken his fingers to call the Indian Club and find himself a shaman. Funny thing is, The shaman he found was my sister's father-in-law, whom I'd known since I was a little girl. I didn't tell him that, but he scheduled this cleansing without me, and God bless the cosmos, I knew about every step of the way. As it turned out, father-in-law slash shaman and my brother-in-law took a trip down to do the blessing, but could never connect with James. Not to mention, they were followed 120 miles by what looked like the same owl. Now, in case you don't know, owls are not only revered by the native peoples, but many tribes also fear them as forebringers of death, pestilence, and doom. Not to mention the fact that they are nocturnal animals, and this was during the daylight. My brother-in-law and his father took the owl as a sign, turned around, and came right back home. I don't know if James ever tried to contact them again, but I know they never went back down there weird how things work isn't it along about this time i reached out to a very special friend of mine who was an accomplished archaeologist and he just so happened to specialize in mayan culture he told me that what i was describing sounded like montezuma's imperial treasure but it really confused him because according to legend that treasure was taken into the yucatan peninsula and hidden he expressed his concern to me over not having a seasoned archaeologist on site to properly handle oxidized metal when it was found because it'll like crumble in your hand if it's not acclimated correctly he even told me a story about a lost mayan city that him and a couple of other friends found down there and when they retrieved a piece of pottery out of this 2000 year old tomb they had it on their way down to the creek a ray of sunshine hit this piece of pottery and it shattered into a bazillion pieces that they had to then put back together Uh, That piece of pottery was on display for a very long time at the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art. So anyways, he was very concerned about not having a professional down there to properly handle things because all of this wonderful stuff could be easily lost and destroyed if it wasn't handled properly. That's when I told him that this sounded like it was out of my league. I remember he responded with, No, young lady. He always called me young lady. It's actually right up your alley. He also told me that it was super important for me to re involve myself in the project and he'd be very happy to help where he could. I promised I would, but then James lost his damned mind. It was the very next day when I heard from James. It had been months since the last time I'd heard from him. And he came in swinging. He accused me and my family of going to the site without him because, you know, another psychic told him we were. And when I finally calmed him down enough to listen to reason, he agreed that it really wasn't practical and I probably wasn't doing that after all. (laughs) He still wanted to work with me, but the catch was I wasn't worth being a partner anymore. (laughs) What a rat. Greed is a hell of a thing, isn't it? Not that it matters now. But I still, to this day, have a signed and dated contract with him on this deal. After about a month after that crappy phone call, James called me again, wanting to know if I still had an archaeologist, quote-unquote, on the hook. That rubbed me pretty wrong, and I let him know about it. Neil was my friend who graciously offered his skills to help on the project, not some chooch for James to take advantage of. I didn't hear from him again for another four years. Then, in about 1998, he called out of the blue to ask me to rejoin the project. Of course, he couldn't offer me the original contract amount, but he could take good care of me. Jeez, no. I told him that treasure had been buried for 450 fucking years, and as far as I was concerned, it could stay buried another 450 fucking years. I haven't heard a word from him since. Occasionally, I'll get a phone call from someone I know who had a dream about me, a cave and a lamb. That's happened several times over the years, but I've never been back and I've never talked to Mr. Lamb again either. I often go back over this adventure in my mind and I wonder whatever happened and if they found anything more. If they did, I doubt it was the whole of it. I know that James moved to that area, and to the best of my knowledge, is still living there, probably still digging and searching. James, and you know who you are. If you're listening to this, and you actually did find something of substance, I hope you did the right thing by it. This treasure belongs in a museum, and I'll maintain that until my dying day. So, that's my Aztec Mayan Incan treasure story. It was quite an adventure. I don't feel like it's ended. But you know these things, they have a tendency to come full circle eventually. That's my show for this week. Special thanks to my wonderful boyfriend and my amazing family for getting this project off the ground and indulging me down this crazy rabbit hole. Next week, my family and I are planning another Kaufman roundtable on crazy paranormal stuff. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening and keep it surreal.